Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. The other day, I spoke concerning what might occur between now and the general election the presidential election, and all of the general elections that are a mere 100 days or so away. And I mentioned that I would continue that, and I'm going to in this message, as well as touching on some peripheral items. So first, what could possibly happen that could change the anticipated course of events. Yes, you know, there is this narrative that is being promoted, and understandably so, even by those who are not wildly enthusiastic about it. It would be reasonable for them to propose this, to promote this, that the presumptive Democrat nominee will almost assuredly secure the presidency. That is the narrative. It's not an altogether well-reasoned, well-thought-out narrative. It's more a matter of a likelihood. There's greater probability of that than against that. But also, it is an exercise in wishful thinking. There are very many in major media, in the press, and of course in political circles that are very much desirous of that outcome for a host of different reasons. Not godly reasons, not righteous reasons, and so forth. And then there are others (laughs) on the other side who are, of course, staunchly for, enthusiastically for the incumbent remaining in office and not necessarily for godly or righteous reasons. Or if they are purportedly for godly and righteous reasons, they are not necessarily any too wise or well thought out or reasoned. But what could happen that could cause the presumptive Democrat nominee for president to fail in his third attempt for the presidency. Well, there are all manner of things that can crop up, aren't there? X factors, unknowable things and knowable things, things which are currently in the fray, but just haven't risen to a level of sufficient gravity to sway things sufficiently. But one thing that definitely is not really being anticipated or considered is national security. Donald Trump Sr. has proclaimed himself a wartime president pertaining to the COVID-19 virus crisis. 
But that is not a wartime presidency. But of course, leaders of the free world, leaders of Western nations, they have in essence proclaimed themselves the same. Stating that this is a war and that it requires marshalling all such things. Going back, remembering that Nancy Pelosi here in the United States of America was urging the president to use wartime powers to combat the COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, what have you. But what about actual, factual national security, which in a number of ways has been impacted by this coronavirus, COVID-19. Thinking of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, aircraft carrier. Thinking about troop readiness around the world, of United States troops. Thinking of the situation with regard to returning troops coming home to the United States of America and not being segregated from the troops at the bases, at the home bases, and it being handled very carelessly and cavalierly and detrimentally. But those are all indirect threats. What about direct threats to this nation's security, sovereignty, Autonomy. Well, we, of course, do not have the sovereignty and autonomy that we did have 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. No, it has been eroded, steadily eroded, not only by the Democrat Party, even though they certainly have played a vital role, but nonetheless by the Republican Party as well. But what if there should be an out-and-out military threat to the United States of America between now and Election Day? Perhaps you view the president as a strong man. I, for one, do not. He's tall. He's big. And he has a very, you could say healthy, though I do not see it that way. You could say strong, though I do not see it that way. You could say lusty, self-aggrandizing ego. But again, you could say strong ego, healthy ego, oversized ego. As far as I'm concerned, it is instead a lusty, self-aggrandizing ego which is not a mark of strength, of personal strength. You know, much has been made about the health, the physical well-being of various presidential candidates down through the years. And it has been ridiculous, really. Yes, you want a president that's not going to drop dead tomorrow, 
that's not going to be stricken and incapacitated and be in the presidency in a lingering capacity, meanwhile being overruled by a spouse or what have you, thinking of Woodrow Wilson. But physical health and strength are not important criteria. Not important criteria in a president, in a leader, in a prime minister. They are not. Winston Churchill was not young, was not youthful, was not strong, and was of debatable health. And you look down through the ages and you can find big, strong stiffs who were incapable leaders. And you can find small, wiry, or others that are not even that, wheelchair-bound, or what have you. Otherwise incapacitated leaders, not youthful, not healthy, not photogenic, and yet who have been comparatively strong leaders. But what if? What if there should be a serious challenge militarily to the United States of America? Do you feel confident that this president, Donald Trump Sr., is the man to have in office to address that? Or do you think Joe Biden, oh, there's a fellow who can really, really take charge, right? Joe Biden. And the list goes on. How many leaders, prominent names, prominent leaders can you think of on the national stage that you in your heart of hearts believe and trust in that they are capable, fit, worthy of the position of president? How many? How many in Congress? How many in the Senate? How many? You know, Mitch McConnell physically is not a strong man. He is not a physical specimen. But he has been a strong leader in the Senate. Oh, yes, I know he's despised by many. (laughs) So what? But he actually is a strong leader. I'm not saying he would be militarily. No, but but what could happen between now and the presidential election, the general election? Could there be a threat to this nation's safety and well-being? Could there be? Oh, of course not. Of course not. The communist Chinese regime only wants peace and prosperity. We all know that. Vladimir Putin's Russian regime only wants peace and prosperity and to peacefully coexist. Can't we all just get along? The Islamist regimes, they just want to prosper. Do you really imagine that? What has kept 
the hordes back from the gates, so to speak, up until now. What has it been? Has it been the United States entertainment industry? Has it been the fact of the United States of America paying the bills of the United Nations? Has it been the United States of America's goodwill towards nations around the world? No. It has been fear of the United States of America by its chief enemies. But that fear, call it respect if you will, has been eroded. Eroded for decade upon decade upon decade by very patient, cunning foes dedicated to raising themselves and subjugating the United States of America, overthrowing the United States of America. Regimes which are envious of the United States of America, which despise the United States of America. Now, they're in good company. There are any number of prominent national leaders in the United States of America who despise the United States of America, despise the founders, despise the founding of America and are dedicated to the overthrow of the United States of America. And they have done a bang-up job of weakening and eroding this nation. There has been the war waged within the nation and the wars waged without. And they have had a cumulative effect. And this nation is not nearly in as strong a position as so many would have us believe. So there are how many days left now? Well, it's not 100 days, but 100 is a nice round number. It's less than that until election. What could take place? What could take place is that there could be military strikes against the United States of America. Do I anticipate that? Not really. No. I don't. However, I'm aware that could happen. Do I think it's going to happen in this short, short time frame? Not really. But there are enemies of this nation which may feel that this current situation with the coronavirus lockdowns, that it may give them an additional competitive edge. It's possible. But moving on from what could happen to what is happening, I mentioned in the previous program about the United States of America's action against the communist Chinese regime in terms of shutting down, shuttering, if you will, the Houston, Texas consulate of the communist Chinese regime, which, of course, caused considerable displeasure to the communist Chinese regime. Not just operationally, even though it did that. 
But really, in terms of face, right? In terms of saving face, in terms of reputation worldwide, it was not something that they appreciated. (laughs) But of course, they immediately threatened retaliation. And the spokeswoman for the U.S. State Department emailed a response. She mailed it in, so to speak. Her name being Morgan Ortagas or something like that. Morgan. Again, one of these many cases, like Morgan Fairchild, (laughs) is a case in point with this name, but where... In the United States of America, it has become fashionable among so many, among the elite, among the the favored people, the beautiful people, to name their little girls with boys' names and so on and so forth. Interestingly enough, in leftist, socialist, leftist Germany, that is not done. (laughs) It's not even permitted. But here in the United States of America, it's very fashionable. So Morgan Ortegas or Ortegas or whatever emailed a statement, quote, the United States will not tolerate the PRC's violations of our sovereignty and intimidation of our people, just as we have not tolerated the PRC's unfair trade practices, theft of American jobs, and other egregious behavior, end quote, PRCs. Now, that's very, in my view, very lazy, okay? It was via email, PRC being an abbreviation for the People's Republic of China. People's, (laughs) as if communist China is of the people, by the people, for the people. No, not quite. It's the communist, bloody communist regime. Republic. You mean like the Federal Republic of the United States of America? Well, that's what it's claiming. But no, again, they just like to use this terminology. Just like they now, of course, have a president for life and so forth. And also find the same thing with North Korea. They like to adopt Western words and names and titles when it suits their purposes, to try to put on a different appearance for the fools in the West, to deceive the foolish, blind, ignorant people in the West. She couldn't manage to say communist China. She couldn't manage to say the communist Chinese regime. That just wouldn't be done. But instead, we have this. But... So, what has this communist Chinese regime done? Well, it has ordered the United States of America to close the United States consulate in Chengdu. Hear, hear. Shut it down. Shut them all down. But, meanwhile, and that came through today about that, the U.S. consulate in Chengdu. Close it down, by all means. Again, close them all down. Not that we will, but 
we should. We never should have had them in the first place. Moving on from there, Big Mike, Mike Pompeo. He announced to the world that the United States of America is changing its policy vis-a-vis communist China. Quote, the old paradigm of blind engagement with China has failed. We must not continue it. We must not return to it. End quote. Mike said that in a speech at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum in Yorba Linda, California. Now, he was trying to be diplomatic here. But I think he failed when he said the old paradigm of blind engagement. He should have, you know, said engagement, not blind engagement. But then he goes on again, being diplomatic here, giving a sop to Richard Nixon at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum. Quote, the world was much different in Nixon's era. We imagined engagement with China would produce a future bright with the promise of comity and cooperation, end quote. Comity being courtesy and considerate behavior. So, let me reiterate. The world was much different in Nixon's era. We imagined engagement with China would produce a future bright with the promise of comity and cooperation or courtesy and considerate behavior and cooperation. And yes, he's right that those who made these decisions, some of them, like Richard Milhouse Nixon, imagined this insanely imagined this and took up a policy of blind engagement with China. We built China. The American major businesses lusting for profits, for easy profits, they poured investment into communist China. Not capitalist China, communist China. Oh, that time in the world, that was a different era. A very different era. Oh, yes, let's look back on that different era, shall we? What was going on at that time? The Vietnam War, in which the United States of America was waging warfare in a hands-tied-behind-your-back Marquis of Queensbury rules, engagement rules, warfare, courtesy of the Johnson administration regime before Nixon's. But who was it that the United States of America was fighting? Besides Ho Chi Minh's Viet Cong, besides the North Vietnamese Army, it was communist China. Mao Zedong's communist regime's army. 
and the Soviet Union's army and air force and multitudes of young American men, including teenagers, were slaughtered, were maimed, mutilated, blinded, burned horribly, scarred for life, their lives destroyed, courtesy of not just the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, but communist China and the Soviet Union. Communist China supplied officers and training, pilots, and so forth. Soviet Union supplied equipment and trainers. The two huge communist enemies of the United States of America But Richard Milhouse Nixon, in his great wisdom, allowed himself to be manipulated by soon-to-be Nobel Peace Prize winner Dr. Henry Kissinger into bringing about a panic retreat from South Vietnam Vietnam, leaving the Vietnamese people to be preyed upon, slaughtered, and destroyed by not just the Viet Cong, but their helpers. To be rounded up and destroyed. Those who had bravely fought and laid down their lives, as it were, and we betrayed them, we turned our backs on them, on all who had worked in cooperation with the United States of America. And meanwhile, Richard Milhouse Nixon, leaving the POWs behind, why would you imagine that the communists want want to keep prisoners of the United States of America as they in fact did? Why? But they did. Bargaining chips, you know. But we forsook them. And the president of the United States of America visited communist China after entering into this peace with honor, so-called, and clinked champagne flutes or whatever there with Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong or Mao Zedong or however you want to pronounce it, it's been spelled different ways, a variety of ways, pronounced a variety of ways, was the most prolific mass murderer in human history. But he became BFF of Richard Nixon. He and his regime became most favored nation, China. And the American businesses went lusting after business with communist China and built communist China into an economic giant. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true 
and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. So Mike, Big Mike, Pompeo, stated that the old paradigm of blind engagement with China has failed. How could it not fail? It was blind. It was unimaginably and inexcusably blind. Foolish, foolhardy, wishful thinking against the most vicious, ruthless regime that there was on earth. We were going to play patty cake with them play nice with them, and they would come around to our way of thinking. They only wanted peace and prosperity. Can't we all just get along? And this nation's government collectively sold its soul, whatever there was left of a soul along with the collective soul of big business in the United States of America. Oh, but the world was a much different era in Nixon's time. No wonder we imagined that engagement with communist China would produce a bright future, bright with the promise of courtesy and considerate behavior and cooperation. This is the problem I have with Pompeo. Not that he's too bold and strong and so forth. That he's such an idiot. But not that he is an unknowledgeable man, an uneducated man, an ignorant man, a stupid man. No heavens no. But he is horrendously blind. How has it taken him four years, practically, to come to this? How is that? (laughs) And even then, when he makes these statements, they are outrageous in and of themselves, outrageously ignorant at best. But. He has received rebukes, (laughs) so-called rebukes. He has received less than a positive response to some of his statements that he has made. Statements with regard to the coronavirus and communist China's handling of the coronavirus and so forth. But Big Mike. Communist China, of course, is showing its fangs, showing its claws. It is moving ahead with its operations concerning Hong Kong. Why now? Why at this time? Well, it just so happens that it has rightly 
recognized that there will not be any response to speak of from the West. But again, my question is, what has taken them so long? Do you imagine, do you imagine that if they had done this 20 years ago, practically, that there would have been some sort of military response from the West? There wouldn't have been. There was nobody in the West, in the free nations, that would have responded militarily to communist China seizing Hong Kong, ripping up, ceremonially ripping up the agreement with Hong Kong, and invading Taiwan, taking Taiwan. Do you think that at this point in time, that the United States of America, that Great Britain, that France, and so forth, will go to the aid of Taiwan. Do you? I'm not saying whether we should. I'm just saying, do you imagine that we will? Look what took place back in the Nixon era. We turned our back on Taiwan. We ceased to communicate with Taiwan. We ceased to have any dealings with Taiwan for all intents and purposes. And instead, we honored and invested heavily in communist China. What shameful, disgraceful, immoral behavior by the United States of America and its leaders It's Republican presidents as well as Democrats. But for some reason, communist China, it patiently waited. I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, really, I think communist China has suffered from some very weak leaders. But they're moving ahead now. What's the next step after Hong Kong? Taiwan. Taiwan. Free China. Now, Mike Pompeo, Big Mike, he made statements a short time ago concerning communist China and its claims in the South China Sea. He stated, quote, the world will not allow Beijing to treat the South China Sea as its maritime empire. America stands with our Southeast Asian allies and partners in protecting their sovereign rights to offshore resources consistent with their rights and obligations under international law, end quote. Well, the world will not allow communist China to reach out and touch these areas so near to its borders. 
No, the United States will come charging in, and Great Britain, and France, and Germany, and Italy, (laughs) Scandinavia, we will come to the defense of whom? Of our other regional allies and partners. The Philippines. All right. All right, the Philippines. Forgetting Mindanao and, you know, forgetting the communist enslaved parts of southern Philippines. But the Philippines. Okay. Malaysia. Islamist Malaysia. Our ally, our partner, Vietnam, communist Vietnam. (laughs) We're going to go to war with communist China on behalf of communist Vietnam and Islamist Malaysia. How perfect is that? We will not. The world will not allow communist China (laughs) to treat the South China Sea as its maritime empire. Oh, my. Huff and puff, Mike. America stands with our Southeast Asian allies, Vietnam. Communist Vietnam. Malaysia. Islamist Malaysia. (laughs) What nonsense. But going on. Quote, Beijing's claims to offshore resources across most of the South China Sea are completely unlawful as its campaign of bullying to control them. Beijing uses intimidation to undermine the sovereign rights of Southeast Asian coastal states in the South China Sea, bully them, out of offshore resources, assert unilateral dominion, and replace international law with might makes right, end quote. Oh, my. So, again, what's going to happen? The United States of America, which handed over South Vietnam to the Viet Cong to the North Vietnamese communists and to communist China and a communist Soviet Union. We're going to go and fight for communist Vietnam and Islamist Malaysia? Really? Do you really think so? We're going to get involved in World War III over this. Of course we're not. Communist China knows that. Not only not over these little islands here and there and what have you, but do you imagine that we will over Taiwan? Over Taiwan, this nation, this worthy nation, a nation crawling with communist Chinese spies, but do you imagine that we will go to their aid? When communist China attacks Taiwan and invades Taiwan, as it will do. It's just a question of when. There are two times of year that are particularly 
convenient, you might say. One is October and the other is April. October is coming up before the presidential election. Communist China could attack and invade Taiwan before the coming presidential election. They may not. They may wait a year. They may just wait until April. They may keep their powder dry until then. But then again, they may. And what would the United States of America do? Of course, President Trump, he has had a couple of our nuclear aircraft carriers dispatched to the South China Sea to show communist China who's boss. But the communist Chinese regime and the Russian Federation of Vladimir Putin They have been very systematically tailoring their military to be able to keep the United States of America at bay. Instead of trying to match the United States of America's military, They have engaged in wiser investment. And communist China has very heavily invested in creating a military response to the United States of America to keep the powerful United States Navy away and out of the action to neutralize the United States Navy and its projection of power. But of course, in addition to President for Life, Xi Jinping, BFF of our current president, there is Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin, whom George W. Bush famously looked in the eye and took the measure of the man and determined that he was the right kind of man, you know. I love that. But Vladimir Putin, I mentioned the other day that he and the Donald had a telephone call in which they discussed arms control, you know, gun control, arms control control, and also talked about Iran's nuclear arms program. Oh, yes, very convivial, very cooperative, right? And meanwhile, what continues to go on? The Russian Federation's hackers just like the communist Chinese hackers, just like the North Korean hackers, very sophisticated, 
computer online internet specialists in crime, if you will. But it is very dedicated crime. It is crime focused on stealing all of the state-of-the-art military secrets of the United States of America, enabling the militaries of these regimes to replicate these weapon systems and to tweak them and make them even more user-friendly for these regimes. But also engaging in hacking into all of the various government resources, the most secure government sites and private business ones, in order to wage a different kind of warfare against this nation, to paralyze this nation, to shut this nation down, not by full shutdown or lockdown, but instead by other means. But that is going on, courtesy of Advanced Persistent Threat 29, APT 29, otherwise known as Cozy Bear and the Dukes and what have you. But while that is continuing, the Russian Federation is also engaging in testing anti-satellite weapons systems in space. All very convivial, don't you think? All very, oh, so cooperative, so peaceful. They only want peace and prosperity. And the Russian Federation of Vladimir Putin, his regime, and the communist regime of bloody red China, they have become even closer. You know, with the changes of regime in communist China and the changes in Russia, the very, very close partnerships have just been strained, you might say, a time or two or three or four, but they have reinforced their friendships, their cooperative agreements, all for the greater good, all to defeat the common enemy, or what the Islamists term the great Satan the United States of America, and Israel. But I mentioned the other day about this little matter of how the response in the free world to the coronavirus, COVID-19, that this is enabling leaders in these nations to assume powers unconstitutionally, illegally, using executive orders, promiscuously, 
And that once these powers are assumed, even when there are supposedly review dates off in the future and or end dates, in point of fact, there won't be any pulling back, drawing back, but only increased consolidation of power, not just in Hungary. No. Not just in the European nations. Not just in the UK, but in the United States of America. Something to look forward to. And this is all very pleasing to the likes of the aforementioned Henry Kissinger. 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 Nobel Prize winner. Yes. Why is it that he was so in favor of this most favored nation appointment for communist China, detente with the Soviet Union, letting Israel bleed while it was assaulted. Why is that? Why do you assume? Why do you imagine dear Dr. Kissinger was in favor of these things? Can you imagine that he's not in favor now of consolidation of power in the West, in these various nations? Do you imagine that? Here is a fellow who is dedicated to one world regime. And there are so many brothers in arms, like Prince Philip in the UK, who's very close to his grandsons. Remember again, Tedros Arhanom Gebreyesus, the director of the World Health Organization, emphasizing the importance of building national unity and global solidarity. National unity, unity of the nations. Not unity within a nation, but unity of the nations. One big happy family, global solidarity. Not the solidarity movement of long ago in Poland, but global Solidarity. Hmm. Hegemony, which the Islamists have pursued. The table is set for a new group of world leaders. And this COVID 19 pandemic has greatly assisted. Greatly. The times that are coming, they're very near. And artificial intelligence, supercomputing, quantum computing, these will all play a very important role as they already have. And an ever-increasing role in worldwide takeover. 
which is, of course, greatly assisted by weak leadership, weak leaders who are not righteous, godly people. Maybe very intelligent, some of them. Maybe very experienced, old hands, you know. They've been in power a long time, and they've run for president many times. But they will be pushed aside by these leaders who shall rise. And by one leader in particular who shall make great use of spycraft, conspiracy, deceit. They shall change the times. They shall change the laws. He shall come in by peace, promising peace, using flattery and taking over. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.